0: You're listening to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast with Davina Frederick.
1: Hello and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast, formerly known as the Solo to CEO Podcast. It's a new year and we have a new name, but our mission in 2020 is still very much the same, to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with my good friend, Michelle LeBron, founder and CEO of LeBron Law. LeBron Law is based in Kissimmee, Florida, and serve clients throughout the Central Florida region, providing family law services. Welcome, Michelle. I am so happy to finally have you here on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So tell us more about uh, LeBron Family Law and the services that you guys provide. I said family law services, and that can mean different things for different uh, law firms. So tell us what that includes for LeBron Law.
0: Well, at my firm, we try to focus primarily on dissolutions of marriage uh, cases, paternity cases, we also do uh, Department of Revenue child support cases and um, domestic violence injunction cases as well.
1: And how long have you been in uh, practice for your, how long have you had LeBron Law?
0: Uh, it's just about four years now. We, oh, I started in uh, March of 2015.
1: And give us an idea of how big your firm is. You have, because you have some employees now.
0: I do, I do. Um, when I first started, I was alone, a true solo. And yeah. uh, shortly thereafter, I started with one part-time legal assistant um, who very quickly grew into a full-time legal assistant. And then I added a receptionist. And now I've added a law clerk who uh, just recently graduated from law school and is studying for the Florida Bar at this time. Um, We're hoping that uh, he's successful in passing the bar and uh, he's planning to join the firm as an associate.
1: Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So you have had quite a bit of growth in four years then with adding staff and now maybe possibly soon a new associate. That's fantastic. Um, So tell us, how did you, let's go back to, you know, your decision to become an attorney and tell us a little bit about your story Uh, and how you decided to become an attorney and what led you to uh, open your own practice?
0: Well, if we go all the way back, um, my grandmother was a legal secretary paralegal for close to 50 years. And when I was a little girl, uh, probably about eight or nine years old, she would take me to her office on Saturdays because she worked overtime on Saturdays. So she would take me with her and um she would let me do the photocopying and at that time there was a typewriter with carbon paper so <laughs> I'd type oh. on the typewriter <laughs> with the carbon <laughs> paper. <laughs> and um so I was exposed to a legal office at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And then um when I graduated from high school I started working in her office as a receptionist and um continued most of my working Adult life in a law firm um, while going to school part time. So I ended up as a legal secretary, and I worked from nine thirty to five thirty, and then I went to undergraduate school from uh, from about six thirty to nine thirty, four nights a week. And um, at that time, in the beginning, I was just planning. I wanted to be a paralegal, so I was taking uh, paralegal studies courses and. Along the way, uh, it took a while because I was going part time. But along the way, I was working at a firm in Queens, New York. And um, I realized that, you know, some of the attorneys that were licensed who were practicing, I thought if he could do it, I could do it because (laughs) he was not a rocket scientist. (laughs) Right. So, So I'm like, I can do what he's doing. And so at that point i shifted gears to start to prepare to go to law school and um after i finished school undergrad i had to take some time off for family reasons and then um, i decided to start applying for law school and i applied for a few schools in new york and one here in florida and ultimately decided to come to florida um since i've had so much experience in law firms i knew Already, what type of law firm I wanted to work in. Um, mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to be in a small firm. I knew I didn't want to work in a large firm. Um, but then, as time went on, I started to decide that I don't want to work for anybody um, because I figured if I was going to work that hard, I should be doing that for myself and my family. And so, um, that's when the idea of being a solo practitioner was born. So it's been quite some, quite a challenge, but here we are.
1: Yeah, I love that story. I love, I didn't realize that your you said
0: your grandmother worked for 50 years, did you say? Yeah, she started, yeah, she started in her early 20s. um, And she was with the same practice all those years. So she went through a round of about three sets of lawyers who bought the firm, retired, sold the practice. Another group wow. came in, bought the firm. <laughs> you imagine all?
1: Can, can you imagine all the baby attorneys she trained along the way? <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Many, many. She trained many, many lawyers, and I remember her frustration when they were making more money than she was, and she knew more than they did. So. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So that. So that was good.
1: Yeah, that's a That's that's what a legacy, though. I mean, I'm sure that she uh, was so proud of you, you know, as you grew up and uh, and continued to carry on that tradition and yeah. follow. Well, she was probably proud of you as a little girl in there typing. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, she, she, she is very proud of me. And uh, I always well, she's retired now, obviously, but I always joke with her that I need her to come. To Florida to run my office.
1: But she oh yeah, want to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: She probably would have you. She probably have you marching her her orders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that is fantastic, uh, uh, legacy. You know, to be able to do that. So you started your own practice, and what was that like for you when you started your own practice? Was it what you expected it would be? Or was it different than you expected it would be? Or
0: well, the tell, tell me actual, what it was like that first year. The actual formation was easier than I thought it would be. Um, and I have, um, I believe very strongly in having mentors. So I went to one of my mentors and said, you know, I really don't want to work for anybody. And she said, so don't. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? She said, well, took out a legal pad and she made a list of things to do. She said, go do these things and you'll be in business for yourself. So I took the list and I went through each item, checked it off when I was done, and then I was in business. And my first clients, uh, what I did was uh, the Orange County Bar Association has a referral program. And so I think at that time it was about $75 or $100 a year, something like that. And so I signed up for the referral program and that's how I got my first client. And um, very soon thereafter, the phone just started to ring and things just blew up. So I was able to, um, very quickly I needed more help because I realized that I, you know, I couldn't manage the number of clients that I was handling um, on my own. And that's how I ended up having to hire help because I, I just couldn't do it anymore. But I, I i don't know. It's just a blessing. Just, I don't know. <laughs> I right. just started off, like I said, with the referral program and then word of mouth referrals and, um, and social media marketing.
1: Right. Well, I, that, I think under, I think people underestimate or don't even think about those, the, the, uh, referral service, you know, for the, for the county and the state referral services, I was in uh, a different county. I was in Seminole County. You're in Orange County. And so I was able to sign up for the state referral service and the Orange County referral service. And I did both. Um, And that's how I started my law firm. So from those referrals. And it's amazing um, what that can do to get the ball rolling and start getting your phone ringing and get clients coming in the door. And you learn so much. You learn how to have a consultation, even if they don't materialize into clients, become good clients for you. You learn how to have a consultation and how to, you know, start handling the business part of being a lawyer, you know?
0: Right, right. Yeah. And the other thing that I did was I signed up for one of the legal insurance programs, Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was also receiving leads from them as well. That was a little more difficult because they, when they make the referrals, they give more than one name. It's not like it's an exclusive lead. Um, so that was a little more difficult. But it, you know, in the beginning, when you need clients, you know, it's it's a good start. Um, mm-hmm. So you, you know, with the with the legal insurance, they do charge, uh, really discount, you know, they pay discounted rates. But right. like I said, when you're new, you know, you need to get people in the door, you, you know, you do what you need to do.
1: Right, right. And, uh, and
0: how long did you say it was before you hired your assistant? My first part-time legal assistant, I would say, so I opened in March. I would say was probably around. August, maybe July Mm -hmm. or August. So I had a lady there who, um, she was coming in part-time, mostly answering the phone and scheduling appointments. Um, and then she needed full-time work, but at that time I was still fearful to have, to be responsible for someone's full-time pay.
1: So, Mm -hmm.
0: you know, she ultimately found work with the school district and, um, so the next person I hired, I it was supposed to be part-time, and the first day she was there, she stayed all day, and I didn't send her home. And then the next day she came, and she stayed all day, and I didn't send her home. <laughs> <laughs> so, she was just full-time, and she's been with and me And she's just since never left. left. Right. <laughs> well, so we technically, that, technically we she's still part-time. part-time. We had enough work that was keeping her busy all day. So I figured, well, if she's busy all day, then, you know, then I need her because the work is there. So that worked out. And then the receptionist, I think we brought on the receptionist. She first started as an intern um, because she was in between jobs and she just wanted to have a place to go. And then she was doing very well and I felt, guilty not paying her. So then I hired her. Um, I ended up hiring her on a full-time basis. And that was probably about, I'd say about a year, about a year in, we started Mm -hmm. with her. And then last year was when I hired the law clerk.
1: Right, right. And how did you did you have trepidation about taking on employees? Was there fear around that?
0: Yes, very much so. Um, every month there's fear, but every month I'm able to make payroll, so <laughs> I pay my bills. <laughs> How do you deal but, with that uh, fear? It's uh, so... I you know, throughout life, there were many things that I did not do because I was afraid. And so, you know, there was a turning point, And I, I can't even define what caused the turning point. But there was a turning point in my life when I decided that I was not going to let fear um, stop me from doing things anymore. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I just, even though I'm afraid, I still take the leap of faith and do what I need to do. And um, it just, it just works out. But I realized you know, through through um, mentors, mentors and personal coaches that I cannot grow to what I want to be on my own. I have to have other people to handle certain tasks in the office. Um, and so, you know, I just realized I can't do that by myself. And so even though I'm afraid, I have to do it.
1: Right, and, right. Because and that's, I that's mean, how I'm
0: living life these days. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, to get to, to have a, a, a half million dollar or a million dollar law practice for more. I mean, you, you can't, you can't do that as one person. Right. You've got to have somebody, even if you're, even for the virtual firms, they've got to have somebody that they're outsourcing and getting help from, you know, you just can't do everything. And it's interesting, you and I've had these kinds of discussions before that, you know, it's ludicrous to think not only that you can do everything yourself, but that you're the best person for every job too. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, am I really the best person to do every job in this office? I mean, surely there are some things that other people might be better at doing. doing.
0: And the, the best example of that is the bookkeeping. Because when I first started, I downloaded QuickBooks and I was trying to learn to do the bookkeeping on my own and then you taught me that I needed to delegate that. (laughs) So (laughs) I hired a bookkeeper. I'm not the best person to do bookkeeping. I went to law school to be an attorney, not to you know, I don't want to be an accountant. So,
1: right, very few of us like that bookkeeping and accounting work. You know that I've talked to women attorneys that I've talked to. There are there are exceptions. There are a few who, you know, one person I talked to, uh, and I think she's a she's a former podcast guest. Actually, said that she likes to do the bookkeeping to relax. And I'm like, okay, well, you're yes, you know, then yes. that's for you, but that is not for me.
0: <laughs> right, but at the same token, I mean, if I'm I just feel like, and I learned this from you and from some of my mentors, if I bill myself out at $300 an hour, but I can pay the bookkeeper $100 an hour to do the work, I'm losing money doing it myself.
1: Right, right. Not to mention how much longer it would take, like, I don't know how much longer it would take me to do, uh, you know, accounting kinds of activities then it would take a professional bookkeeper to do it. You know, right, <laughs> so you got to add right. that to not only your hourly rate, but the extra time that it would take you to go and, and figure out how to curve. do it. The learning right. Curve. right. Yeah. And costly mistakes, you know, those right. kinds of things. So that, uh, what are, what are some of the biggest challenges do you think that you have had in your growth journey so far?
0: Um, Well, I would say in the beginning, um, some of the challenges had to do with deciding what area of practice I wanted to be in, because as a new solo, um, I know it happened for me, and I know that it happens for other people. You kind of take whatever cases come through the door because you need the money. And so it was challenging for me to learn to narrow down my focus and not take other cases from other practice areas. uh, In the beginning, I was doing um, foreclosure defense. I did some bankruptcy work, and I very quickly learned that I did not like foreclosure defense or bankruptcy work. So so that part was challenging, uh, narrowing my focus, and then I just needed to make a decision about what areas of practice I was going to handle. So now it's primarily family law, and I do have a handful of personal injury cases but that's it. I don't venture out and try to handle other areas of practice. I refer that work out. And I do that um, with an open, giving heart, knowing that those attorneys that I'm referring to will in turn refer to me at some point when they have an opportunity to do so.
1: Right, right. That's a wonderful philosophy. I, um, and you know, there's, the thing too about narrowing your niche, in, or you know, and just having a couple of areas of practice, is to, to really have deep knowledge in an area of practice. You know, how right. reasonable is it to expect to have deep knowledge in four, three, four, five, six areas of practice? You know, it's you you really you you might really be doing your clients a disservice. If you're trying to do all of those different areas of practice, you know, because how, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. I mean, if you had, I guess if you have multiple attorneys in a practice and different ones specializing, then it makes sense. Right. But, you know, you know, for individuals. yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think that one person can be, I know we're not supposed to use the word expert, but I don't think one person can be an expert at five different practice areas because the body of law is just too vast for any one person to absorb all of that and be, you know, 100% proficient in so many different areas of practice. So I would, I prefer to kind of be, you know, a master of one. <laughs> as opposed to a jack of all trades. So, (laughs) I mean, and that's what works for me. I mean, I'm sure other people do other things, but I know the way my brain works and I need to focus on, you know, one, maybe two things and and that's it.
1: Right. What is it that you like about family law? Because I have always um, heard that you either love family law or you hate family law that you don't feel, you know, nobody feels neutral about. it. <laughs> and what is, so what is it that you really enjoy about your family law practice?
0: Well, um, when I was in law school, I interned in a law office that um, the attorney handled family law. So I did a lot of work at that time and the law just made sense to me um, mm-hmm. and it came very naturally to me. And, and in terms of um satisfaction i get a great deal out of satisfaction of helping people you know get through some of the most difficult times of their lives and um particularly um i receive a lot of satisfaction from helping parents who for example have not seen their children in a long time because the other parent is being difficult and i have you know the knowledge of what to do to go to court to get them Time with their children, and the um, you know the look on their faces when they walk out of court with a court order, letting them see their children is priceless. And I'll never I'll never get tired of that. Right. So a lot a huge uh, percentage of the practice is um, paternity cases, and you know trying to get fathers time with their children. It's a huge area of, of practice for us.
1: Right, right, and what uh and you're you've done some personal injury now you're you're doing more of that kind of work what is it that what is it that you enjoy about that
0: well i in uh when i was in new york city i worked for a personal injury firm so i kind of knew somewhat the area of practice um mm-hmm. start you know the base the basics starting out mm-hmm. so i just needed to learn the, you know the florida aspects of it and um that is very rewarding you know when someone's been injured and I'm able to get them compensation for their injuries and help them get back on their feet. You know, sometimes when people are injured after car accidents, they're out of work for a long time and um, bills start backing up and they're always very, very grateful when I'm able to get them a settlement for um, the injuries that they've sustained. And that is also an area of practice Um, if you're handling pre-suit uh negotiations that can be very lucrative you know on the attorney's side with not mm-hmm. a lot of effort so mostly so it's been a good reasons. it's been a good
1: balance for you then
0: right 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 um
1: you're you're barred in new york and in florida right yes i am
0: <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> yes i am so in new me. york I've, uh, I've taken, I've actually gone to New York to handle one hearing, but generally what I do is if I have clients from New York, I have attorneys in New York that will handle the hearings for me. So I, right now, I I don't want to fly back and forth. So if I take a New York case, I have an attorneys up there that go to the hearings for us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But and you do take
1: you do take cases up there, some cases up there.
0: Right, right. And I focus only on Bronx County, Bronx or Manhattan counties up in, in New York.
1: Okay. So tell us some of the things that, what kinds of things have been, um, uh, we talked talked about some of the challenges in growing your, your practice. I mean, how has it been in hiring people and growing your team and ma- managing people and um, learning to lead your team and all that kind of stuff. Has, has, has that, that gone smoothly for you? No.
0: <laughs> <It has laughs> no. <not>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think when I was interviewing for a receptionist, I probably, I mean, well, I started to do, to do Skype interviews or telephone interviews, just not wasting time having people come in. And it was probably I don't know fifteen people, maybe twenty people that I talked to. So in our area, we have a huge uh, Spanish-speaking population. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of Spanish-speaking clients, so it's important to me to have a receptionist who um, speaks is bilingual. And so it was difficult finding. It. I had I really had a hard time with that. Um, and I think also, well. I just had a really hard time with that. So I have not been in a position in any other time in my life to grow a team and train. And so all of that is coming new to me, is new to me. And so that's something that my team, we're all growing together in that respect. And I I always ask them, is there something else that I can do to make your life easier? Is it something, do you feel that I'm, giving you the tools that you need to do what you need to do. And so we have, I would say, biweekly conversations about that um, to try to keep everybody moving along and growing. And, um, you know, the receptionist, we try to give her. I'm trying to grow her into a full-blown legal assistant. So little by little, I'm training her to do more legal assistant tasks rather than just answering the phone and scheduling appointments. So that has, you know, that that that's a challenge, but it's one that I meet um, optimistically. <laughs> right. And um, I'm confident that I'm confident that we're going to get to where I would like to see us um, right. you know, in the next right. year or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you know, one of the great things about you is that you are so um, open to learning and willing to to do what it takes to figure it out, you know, right. Right. um, and that works to your advantage in growing your team and learning how to manage and learning how to lead and all of that. So, um, and, and sometimes you just have to learn by doing, you know, like you said, right. you interview you hire, you think that doesn't work out, you hire somebody else or you interview a lot, you know, and then you get you right. develop those skills
0: as you're well, doing. One thing, I, one thing I learned is hire is slow fire fast. <laughs> I had one paralegal, she lasted three days. I said, Okay, this isn't working. <laughs> She's done. But another thing that I always keep in mind is I've done that job and I remember how I wanted to be treated. And so I try to be very, very fair and treat them the way I wanted to be treated. And I'm very um thoughtful and considerate about their family needs when, you know, they need a day off. I'm not, I don't give them a hard time about that. So I, I, I've i been told that they enjoy working at the firm because the environment is so, um, I won't say relaxed, but I, I, I'm just very considerate of their needs. And And it's because I've been in that job and I know, you know, A, I know what it entails and B, I know how I wanted to be treated. And so I've been with attorneys who yell and scream, you know, Mm -hmm. in the office. And I knew that I did not want to be that type of lawyer. I'm not going to say I don't get annoyed from time to time, but I treat them all with respect. and, And like I said, I'm very considerate. And so I think that that keeps them there and they want to work with me and they genuinely care about my firm and that's why i keep the 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 three that i have now that's why they're there because i feel that they genuinely care about me and they genuinely care about the firm and the growth of the business
1: right right I, i mean there's so much to be said for that too because that loyalty if you can cultivate that loyalty and have people stay with you i mean for years i mean that's something that's um, rare these days, but it used to be commonplace in law firms. You'd have people, I me mean, talking about your grandmother, you know. You'd have people that would stay with firms for years, and yeah. if you can cultivate that kind of um, feeling of loyalty to you, and I think the the key to that, like you said, is really is really respecting your employees and making them feel like they're a part of something, you know, right. they're right. an important and integral part of what you're doing. Not right. easily, re- you know, not just replaceable, <laughs> you know, shifting gears a little bit. You did a bit, th- you did a big thing. Uh, I think it was last year was last year where, or maybe you I think it was the beginning of last year, wasn't it? Where you bought your own office building.
0: I sure did. <laughs> We closed in i think it was may twenty sixth twenty eighteen
1: okay okay may, yeah that
0: was I, that was a goal of mine because I just felt like I wanted to have roots and I did not want to pay rent for a very long time, and mm-hmm. so that was that was one of my goals and, and I accomplished it, and I'm very very proud of myself.
1: Oh yeah, I'm proud of you too. That's fantastic. I mean, that's really kind of amazing, especially so early in owning and starting your firm. I mean, you've you've accomplished several personal goals that way. You know, you've you've accomplished some personal goals, some personal investments, and then this business investment as well. With you know, what are some of the other things that you've done for yourself?
0: Well, in uh, 2017, we bought our first house in Florida. We have uh, we have a home in New York already. So when we came when we came to Florida, we were renting, and so you know obviously the goal was home ownership, and so we did that in 2017, and then in 2018 we bought the building, and then I decided that I have to have my own pool at the house because of I didn't have to have it. <laughs> Uh huh. So, 2019 was the year of the pool. Yeah, the year of the pool, <laughs> and that's not just a pool. That's like a whole
1: it pool setup, a right? It <laughs> is a
0: resort-style yard right now. It's it's wonderful. So that was yeah, that was another goal. And so now, um, those were like three goals that I really um, that was that were important to me and the family that i wanted to accomplish and so now we're working on some new goals yeah and um yeah so the new goals part of the new goals is bringing on the associate um and um i do have another attorney who's working with me sort of of counsel she Mm -hmm. handles um estate planning and guardianship and probate cases so anytime we get calls for that we refer that over to her but um the goal is to have an associate who assists me with the family law cases, um, so that we can grow the family law practice more. Um, so that's, that's the good, twenty twenty goal.
1: <laughs> and that's like a five. So that would be like your
0: five year. That will be my five year, yeah.
1: Goal there is to have have that associate. So that that is fantastic. So, and I wonder what it will be like too, because this is something I've discussed with other. Women law firm owners on the podcast is the difference between hiring staff and hiring an associate attorney. When you start hiring attorneys, what it feels like and what the difference is in those experiences too, because there's kind of different levels of (laughs) anxiety and excitement that goes along with that, right? Because you know the anxiety, the anxiety part is you know when you're hiring staff usually. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm res- now responsible for a person, right? But when you're right. hiring attorneys, it's a it's a different it's a different level, you
0: know. Well, I I'm thinking about the attorney salary that I'm going to be responsible for, <laughs> so <laughs> that is brings a whole a whole other level of anxiety along with it. But mm-hmm. you know, now I noticed I've talked to a lot of other um, law firm owners and there's different compensation plans that folks are doing now. So Mm -hmm. that's still something that I'm working through as to what the compensation plan is going to be for the associate, but it's definitely um, the 2020 goal is to make that happen.
1: Right. Right. Well, and there's so much more, there's so much value too that comes from when you start hiring uh, other attorneys, there's so much value they bring to your firm, right? You know, just the, the expansion that, that creates for you in productivity and you know billable hours and all of that and just just the whole um having another attorney there in the office with you for all kinds of purposes you know yeah and to bounce ideas off
0: of
1: right there's so much value in that um
0: that's one challenge as a solo you know being in the office if i'm reviewing a case or doing legal research you know, sometimes I just want to talk to another lawyer about something. And so luckily I have a team of uh, solo boss lady attorneys in the area that we call each other from time to time when we need help, um, whether it's hearing coverage or whatever, just to talk. And so sometimes I can pick up the phone and call somebody, but how nice would it be to have another attorney right in the office next door and we can just walk over and have a conversation about a case
1: or yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that is it hu- makes a huge difference. I mean, it's wonderful to have, you know, the camaraderie of other attorneys, but, you know, with your network of attorneys, but there's there's a difference when somebody works with you, you know, and you can really discuss intimately the cases and the clients and things like that. And, have him right there, so that's very exciting. It's a very exciting time. We're gonna have our fingers crossed about him passing that bar exam. And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and all of that. Just so he's got a whole, he's got a whole team of, he's got a whole bunch of uh, podcast listeners out there that are gonna be sending him good vibes. You can tell him that.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, thank you. We accept all good vibes. Send us all the good juju.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so, before we wrap up here, give us uh, what you think would be if you had some good advice for uh, other women lawyers who are aspiring to aspiring to wealth, and they're aspiring to grow their law practices and be successful, and maybe they want to, maybe they want to be you know, hiring their staff and their, uh, attorney, their associate attorneys, and maybe they want to buy a building, um, you know, <laughs> they want to do all those things that you've accomplished, that resort pool. Um, <laughs> what kind of advice would you have for them that would be, you know, based on your experience, that would help them?
0: I think... That my best advice would be that they should not try, although they may be a solo practitioner, they should not go at it alone. They should have mentors, um, and I say mentors, plural, more than one, and they should definitely consider having a, a business coach, um, which I, in my experience, I found to be invaluable. And um, I think that with those people around you to support you and uplift you. Um, as long as you don't let the fear paralyze you, you can accomplish any goal that you set for yourself. As long as you, you know, set a goal and have a plan and allow your fear of influence to, to uplift you, then you can you can do anything you set your mind to.
1: I love that. I love that. I think that's so inspiring. I think you're I've always thought your your story is very inspiring because I know how what a challenge it was for you when you started because of the the fear of being a solo and can I do this and not not and you're not alone in that. So many attorneys that I talk to and what's um fabulous for you is you had all of this experience as a paralegal and growing up working in a law office, which I think was a tremendous advantage for you when you started out doing this. Um, Right. And and so many attorneys don't, you know, they come out of law school and they haven't worked as a paralegal before. And uh, I know for me, I didn't, I didn't work as a paralegal. And I always really envied those of my friends who did.
0: Right. It was 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 an advantage because that, you know, they don't teach you, how to e-file a document in law school?
1: <laughs> well, the you know, e-filing has just come about, though. You know what I mean? Like that when I, mean, I started as when I started out as a lawyer, we weren't doing e-filing, right? You no, know, and that wasn't that long ago, right? I mean, you know, it's right. twelve years. Well, but, when
0: I started, e-filing already existed, and it was not taught in law school. <laughs> yeah. So you had to figure that out.
1: So it was a new thing. There's always something new. That's something else too. Is there's always something new. That you're going to be challenged because every case is different. There's always something right. new. And, you know, as Marie Forleo, the, the business coach, Marie Forleo says, everything is always figure outable. So, right. you know, right. you can figure it out, figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, there's a, there's a there's, whole there's somebody, community out whole, there of people that can help you. Right. There's
0: a whole internet out there. <laughs> exactly. There's whole there's, internet. There's,
1: <laughs> thank goodness for Google now. Uh,
0: thank God. So, the, um, the other thing I would add also is um for the solos, you know, trying to grow their firm is to consider getting things a little more automated. I know that you talk about that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. That's another goal I have for 2020 is to get the firm more automated than it is. I mean, we have a practice management software, but we don't use it as efficiently as we should. And mm-hmm. so um, that is another 2020 goal is for us to use, that to its fullest potential and and get the office a little more automated, because I think that we'll be able to handle a lot more volume if we use the tools that we have in place already more efficiently.
1: Right, right, right. And that's great advice. Great advice. So many, and there are so many good tools out there and more, more tools available that could help, but you have to start with what you already have. And master those. And if you do that alone, that makes a huge difference. Well, Michelle, I really appreciate you being here today. And I have, I, as always, I've enjoyed our conversation. Tell us where we can find out more about LeBron Law on the interwebs.
0: Sure. And thank you for the opportunity. I, I appreciate our conversation as well. So uh, LeBron Law can be reached at 321 And our website address is www.MyLeBronLaw.com. And uh, our physical location is in Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, We're just walking distance from the Osceola County Courthouse at 15 South Orlando Avenue in Kissimmee. And we are also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, and it's uh, LeBron Law. If you search LeBron Law on Facebook, you'll find us as well.
1: Good, good, good. And they really should take, uh, they should really should check out uh, some of your videos because you've got, oh, some, videos. you've got some of
0: my favorites on there. <laughs> I haven't done a video in quite a while. And honestly, I've been thinking about it every day. So I'm, I, I'll, I'll get one out to you very soon. I know my
1: favorite though is the baby mama drama one. So <laughs> if you got baby mama drama, you got to check that video out because that, that one alone is worth the price of admission. That's a great video. So you get props (laughs) for that, Uh, uh, Michelle, thanks. Thanks so much. And I really am so glad that you've been here today. And I think a lot of people are gonna get uh, a lot of benefit out of listening to our conversation.
0: Thank you, thank you, I hope so. And if anyone um, wants to reach out to me for any advice or assistance, I'm happy to talk to any of your podcast listeners. The Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast is sponsored by Wealthy Woman Lawyer, LLC. We help women law firm owners build wealth generating law firms without overwork and overwhelm so they can reclaim their time and create the lives of their dreams. If you are ready to create more of what you truly desire in your business and your life, then you'll want to sign up for our free training, How to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at WealthyWomanLawyer.com webinar.